Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Today I want to talk about this idea of pleasing God. Say pleasing God. How can I be pleasing to God? You know, for years, depending on where I am in my journey, let me say this. If, if you were to ask someone that question, how do you please God or how do I please God? I think it really, the answer depends on where you are on the journey. How many would agree with that? You know, maybe 10 plus years ago, I would have had a different answer. Even five years ago, I was still maybe trying to figure out what does that mean? What does it mean to be pleasing to God? How can I be pleasing to God? And I want to start out here in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. This is a really popular scripture. If you've been to church for any amount of time, especially uh, certain denominations, you would hear this probably almost on every Sunday basis, right, Bruce? Look at this. It says, so faith comes, say faith comes from hearing. Yeah, you could do that. You could repeat it right after me if you want, Gene. And hearing by the word of, what's it say? Christ. Now, some of us are used to hearing and hearing by the word of God, but the literal translation is the word of Christ, which does make a difference. Because sometimes, you know, we can have this idea, oh, it's just what anything that God's word says, but no, it's saying the word of Christ. There's something about what Jesus did. There's something about the change that happened in the world through Jesus that brings us to a place where faith comes. If that's the truth, then what is faith? What is faith, if you think about that? You know, I've heard so many things growing up, especially in religious circles, because we're talking about biblical faith here. Uh, I've heard things like, you got to have faith, if you had just a little more faith. How about this? What faith are you? I mean, asked that question before. Oh, so you believe in God. What faith are you? You know, some people will take a leap of faith. We hear all these things about faith, but what is faith? And I don't want to dumb things down or make it seem too simple, but I think in a nutshell, we could say that faith is trust. That's, that's really what I've come to in my own journey, in my own walk, is that faith comes down to trust. And when it comes to life as a believer, someone who says, I am a follower of Jesus, I do believe there's a God, I do believe in the divine, I do believe in a source of life, and there's a connection there. I like what Jamie said last week when he was ministering, is that it's this desire that is within every human being to reconnect, to, to connect. Now, how many know the source hasn't gone anywhere? It's kind of like, you know, an outlet on a wall. You know, there's power most of the time coming to that source, but how many know you won't benefit from that unless you plug in the device? right? Plug in the appliance, plug something in. And so it's this desire for us to plug into the divine. All of us are looking for that. There's a longing for that. All humanity is longing for a connection with the divine. And so I believe that if we really want to define faith, biblical faith, it would be truly trusting God. It really comes down to that. I know that seems so simple, but it's saying, Lord, I trust you. I trust your story about me. I trust your unconditional love toward me. I trust that the grace that you've bestowed upon me as a gift is sufficient for me. That's what it really comes down to. How many remember being in school? I'm 
kind of at the age now where it's barely a terror remembers. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of at the age now where I, I, I think I blocked some of it out because, you know, I wasn't the coolest dude in school. And uh, so, you know, it wasn't like a cool thing to me. But, you know, for me more recently, my kids, I have one left in school, which, which kind of blows my mind. My oldest is 34. My youngest is uh, 13, just turned 13. Seventh grade, that just blows my mind. It doesn't seem like that long ago he was in kindergarten. But, you know, when kids are young, they do have this faith. Remember Jesus said they have childlike faith? There's something about a child's faith in a parent. So when my kids went to school, uh, in kindergarten specifically, and I think even maybe first and second grade, if you didn't go into, I'm sure we're all familiar with the, the uh, drop-off loop, the pickup loop. You know, they have loops that you got to get into. Hoops and loops, man. Come on. Sounds like religion. Anyway, but there was this loop that you had to get into. Well, you know, when, he, we, when my child was younger, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to park the car and I'm going to go inside and pick them up. Well, when I would go in and pick them up, I would go into the gymnasium. Because you'd have all these teachers with their classes, and they'd be lined up against the wall, ready to go. And as a teacher would see a parent, they release the kid. I remember when we would first start this, the kids would, you know, see their parents, even mine, and they'd just leap off the wall and come running. And they had to learn, you have to wait until you're released by the teacher, right? But I remember the first time that, you know, even Ethan, but, but Aiden, you know, jumped and, and leapt and ran up. Daddy, he was so excited that Dad came to pick, that come to pick him up. And, you know, even though he shouldn't have just leapt off the wall, he should have waited till he was dismissed. I thought, how beautiful is this, that he's excited to see me. But not just that he's excited to see Daddy, but that there was an anticipation that Daddy was coming to pick him up. Why? Because Dad said, after school, son, you'll see me in the gym, but wait for your teacher to release you, but I'll be there. I will pick you up. I think it's absolutely beautiful that, that he had no issue believing that I would be there to pick him up. Now, sometimes I'd be running late. Maybe I was on a job or in a meeting or somewhere, and, you know, I call the school and say, I'm so sorry, I'm running about five minutes, ten minutes late, because there was a certain time, I don't know if they do this, maybe you're familiar with this, if you get there a little late, they send them to the office, not because they're in trouble, but they just want to keep a watch on them, and so I would have to park the car, walk in the office and say, hey, I'm here now, yes, I'm that parent, I'm late, right? But you know what's interesting is when I would walk into the office, the response of my children were, Daddy, they would jump up and they would run to me. Why? They knew that Daddy was coming. There was anticipation. Now, if I were to ever walk in, and it was a, a, an idea of, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you made it. I wasn't quite sure. That would bother me. So, you know, it wasn't a relief because he was worried that maybe I wouldn't show up or maybe I wouldn't pick him up. It was actually an excitement because he was anticipating seeing dad again. He was anticipating seeing mom again if mom was the one to pick him up. And I would say that we could actually kind of put this into the idea that there was a faith or a trust that Aiden had in me, that Ethan had in me, that my children had, that I would be there. In fact, I think we could go as far as to say that their faith or their trust came from hearing and hearing by the word of dad and mom. See, we gave them our word. We said, we will be there. We will pick you up. You see where I'm going here? If we look back here at Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, so faith comes from what? 
hearing. And what do we hear? We hear by the word of Christ. I love this in the NIV. Listen to this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. I like this. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. I think we're getting a little bit closer to the context of faith here. But look at how Eugene Peterson puts it here. He describes this so beautiful in the message. I want to start with verse 14. I know context is important. Look what he says. He says, but how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? That's why scripture exclaims, I love this, a sight to take your breath away. Grand processions of people telling all the good things about God. Isn't that beautiful? That's that's the gospel right there. But not everyone is ready for this, ready to see and hear and act. Isaiah asked what we all ask at one time or another. Does anyone care, God? Is anyone listening and believing a word of it? But look at this, verse 17. This is beautiful. The point is, before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. Isn't that awesome? Do you see it? Now, this could seem, you know, elementary to some of us. But let me encourage you. You know, I I talk to several people all the time that we shouldn't get to a place where we just think, hey, yeah, I've got that one down and I know that one. We just always have to be in that childlike faith position where we're we're open to learn, we're we're open to receive, we're open to even see something differently. That's really how my journey's been, and it's helped me so much. Not that we look back, you know, at in a negative way necessarily of what we used to believe or where we used to be, but we use the good things that we, that we learned in those moments as foundational truths to build upon. Does that make sense? And so we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but most certainly we continue to grow. This is a journey where we continue to grow. But faith comes by hearing the word about Christ. We could say faith comes by hearing the gospel. Biblical faith comes by hearing the gospel. But what is the gospel? We hear of God's love, his unconditional love. We hear of him sending his son, Jesus. And we really know that we're told by Paul that God was in Christ reconciling the world. So we could literally say that God sent himself to us with a message. Repent. Metanoia in the Greek, change your mind. Why? The kingdom of God is within you. Maybe you don't see it, But will you awaken? Will you change your mind? Will you have a different perspective of who you are and whose you are? Right? The gospel declares us totally forgiven of sin. That's absolutely beautiful. We're justified through Christ. It speaks of the son's death and resurrection. It's hearing the message about who you are and whose you are. The fact that you're a new creation in Christ. And guess what? This new way has been bursting forth since the resurrection of Jesus. It's this brand new way. This is really how we can sum up the gospel. And so from proper context, we see that faith is what? It's belief or confidence in the finished work of of Christ. We could say it's confidence, it's belief in the gospel. Say the gospel. This is the source of biblical faith. Now Hebrews 11:1 1 says this. Now faith 
is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How many are familiar with this verse? This is probably a verse growing up in church that I'd have to memorize. Anyone remember scripture shootouts? Anyone? Okay, maybe that was just a certain denomination, but, you know, you'd memorize your Bible verses, and we do these shootouts. We do 10 paces and turn. Who could say the verse the quickest? And we get, like, you know, children's church bucks. You're, you're laughing because you remember those days. Uh, maybe not. But, but, you know, what they were trying to do is instill Scripture within us, and I think that's fine and that's dandy, but I think about how many Scriptures I could have memorized and know by heart, but I didn't have any clue what it was saying. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's awesome. What does it mean? I don't know, but it sounds really scriptural, right? We can say that faith is confidence and assurance in God. And I'll be completely honest with you. It took me a long time to get to that place in my life. I mean, there were, there were plenty of moments, even as a pastor, in certain facets of my life where I almost felt like I was just kind of like, yeah, I, I think I believe that. I, you know, we say fake it until you make it. But there was some doubt in, in the midst of that. I, I wasn't quite sure. And how many know that's okay? Because it's a journey. It's, it's learning what God's all about. But again, it's confidence and assurance in God. It's trusting that my Heavenly Father has my best interest in mind. When we can come to that place, it definitely changes things around. But you know this, I love different translations because some translations do a better job of, of the translation into English from the original language. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Mirror Bible, this is beautiful, listen to this. Persuasion confirms confident expectation and proves the unseen world to be more real than the seen. Faith celebrates as certain what hope visualizes as future. Isn't that awesome? Think about this. Our entire existence as believers, as followers of Jesus, is our faith, or we could say our confidence in God concerning the finished work of Christ. See, the Message Bible says it like this. It's the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Now, you know, if you say this, and, and even the writer kind of alludes to this earlier, that some people are in a place, and even the prophet Isaiah was like, why aren't they listening? Why can't they see, act, or, or hear this? Well, because sometimes we're not in a place to hear it. And this is one thing that, you know, God's very gracious and patient with us in these moments. And I think we need to show others that same grace and that same patience. Because it's so easy to... You know, maybe you're in the journey, you've come to a certain place where you see things different. Maybe you've changed some belief systems. And if we're not careful, we can almost look down our nose at others because they haven't arrived to where we are yet. Come on, somebody. Can I get one amen? Now, I also understand this, that on the journey myself, when new things were seen and revelation was there, my true intention or heart was to have people experience what I'm experiencing. But even in that, we have to be careful how we word it, you know, how we talk to people. And that's where grace and love come in. God's been so gracious and loving toward me, even when I believe something that wasn't true about him, that can I show that same grace to others? Because it's not about I know more. See, that's where denominations can get kind of tricky, right? 
man, if you could just be in this denomination, oh, you'd have it together. But how many know we all just have a piece of the pie? Come on, someone. That's what makes a good recipe. You know, imagine, you know, uh, a recipe that didn't have salt in it. You'd notice, right? Imagine a really good cookie recipe with no sugar. I'd say it's not such a good recipe. How about you? But how many know each thing is important? You know, when you look at that recipe, the other day my wife, we had some family come in from out of state, and it was just wonderful spending some time with them and seeing the new little baby and all that. So cute. It was awesome. Anyway, but, you know, we're spending this time with them, and Kristen just, she is like the queen of the kitchen. I mean, this woman can cook. This woman can bake. You can see I fluctuate a lot because of that. But she had made this uh, apple cider bunt cake thing. It was amazing, right? Well, she mixes everything. She puts it, gets ready to put it in the oven. She looks over the counter. She goes, like, what? She goes, the sugar is still sitting there. It wasn't even in. I'm like, you got to put the sugar in, girl. What's going on? We're not doing sugar-free around here. And so she said, okay. So she kind of mixed it in, and it turned out well. But imagine had she totally forgot to put the sugar in. Would it have been fine? Eh, Probably, but not as good with the sugar in there. Come on, somebody. And so it's important that we accept everyone where they are on the journey because, listen, they can still bring value to our lives. I can, I can listen to someone who maybe has a different belief system in a certain area but still glean something from it if I'm open. Does that make sense? But back to this. This whole faith, this whole existence as a believer is our faith and our confidence in God concerning the finished work of Christ. I think most of us, no matter what denomination, could agree upon this. So in this idea of faith, I want to ask this question again. How can I be pleasing to God? Look at the person next to you and ask him that question. How can I be pleasing to God? I really think that the answer is much simpler than we've made it. Um, in the past, for me, I'm just telling my own story, and either you can relate or not, and that's okay. But when I would have this question either pop in my mind or someone would say from a pulpit or wherever, you know, you need to be pleasing to God. You know, how can you be pleasing to God? All different ideas would pop into my head. And I'll be honest with you, the first thing that would pop up is what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? And so for me, the the sum total of my actions was basically the basis that God had to be pleased with me or not. That's just where I was. Now, maybe you're in a different place where maybe that never was an issue. But for me, it's something I struggle with. So I would immediately, these kind of questions would actually throw me into maybe a depression or some condemnation or a little bit of guilt and shame because I would think, oh, man, here we go. I don't know if I'm being pleasing. I mean, did I do enough of this? Did I attend this like I should? Did I, does, is anyone with me? And so you would start to go through all these different ideas of what you did. Now, let me say, what you do is important, but your doing is not what brings pleasure to God or pleases God. I want us to jump down a couple verses here in Hebrews chapter 11. And I want us to look at verse 6. Look what this says. I believe this is going to bring some freedom to someone. I don't know if you're here today or maybe online watching. I want to bring freedom and encourage you. Look at this. And without faith, say without faith, 
it is impossible to please God. Now, I want you to understand there's a reason why I brought us like a little mini sermon foundation of what faith is, right? Trust in God. It says it's impossible to please God apart from trusting him, we could say. Would anyone agree with that? Do you think I'm taking that out of context? Okay. It is impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, we're going to get into this a little bit here because I know there's some things in there that are almost like, well, if faith is just that, what does that last part mean? We'll get into that. But think about this. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. Why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must, first of all, believe that he exists. If you don't believe God exists, why would you approach something that doesn't exist? Does that make sense? I mean, if I walked over here this morning and went, oh, my gosh, that's so, look at that, and started petting what I thought was a cat, would you all go, we need to pray for him right now? Anyway. Of course, you're not going to approach something that doesn't exist. So first of all, you have to say, yes, I believe there is a God. Makes sense, right? Now, I'm not saying that to, to bring any condemnation on anyone. I have friends who are atheists. And they're my friends. I call them friend. And I believe, and I've even had friends who went from atheism to being an agnostic to even going, you know, there's something about God. Not because I preached Bible verses down them. I just showed them love. And they were like, you know, Christians aren't supposed to act like this. And what, I said, well, what, what do you mean? Well, you're treating me with honor and dignity and respect. I'm like, well, actually, that sounds like Jesus. So Christian means Christ-like. I think that's how it should be, Right? It's impossible to please God apart from faith. Why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and, say and, this is so cool, this is out of the message, and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Isn't that a cool translation? He cares enough to respond. Have you ever waved to someone and they didn't respond? Have you ever said hello to someone? And maybe they grunted, or maybe they gave you nothing. How'd you feel? You're like, that makes my day. Well, of course not. But you know, a lot of times, I believe we think God's so far out there, living in a cloud city somewhere, and we're praying prayers, and hopefully it's good weather, because it might be refracting and bouncing off stuff. I mean, come on, I've been there. Maybe it's just me. But I love this. We, we have to both believe that he exists, but not just that, that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. So to me, this goes directly back, or at least to me, to the story I told earlier about my kids, right? Their anticipation, their expectancy that I would be there for them, that I would provide for them, that I would take care of them, that I wouldn't let them down. Now, I'm an earthly father, so let me just say now I've let my kids down plenty. You know, I don't know how many apologies I've made in, in my life of being a father, but it's a lot. And let me say they go a long way, right? But my kids trusted me enough to know that they could be in expectancy and anticipation that I would be there for them. So here's the thing. How can I be pleasing to God? Pleasing God is not us doing the right thing to appease him. 
we can see this by the writer of Hebrews. It doesn't say, and without lots and lots of good works, it's impossible to please God. Did you see that in there? Now, again, I mean, I'm a pastor, so I'm using Bible verses, and I'm using Scripture, and I'm thinking, well, Scripture says that that's not what pleases God. It's not me doing the right thing to appease him. It's not acting more righteous. It's not loving him more or trying harder. It's not being more patient. It's not having more self-control. Thank God. Now, of course, are those things bad to do? Mm Mm-mm. And let me just say this, that, that sometimes, and I've been just as guilty of this, I love, I love that in some point in my walk, in my journey, I began to see how deep the love of God was for me and how gracious God was. Grace did something to me. It did something to my heart. But what happens sometimes when we get into that, because it's not about what we do, 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 it's about what he's done, done, done. How many have heard that? I I agree with that. If we're not careful, we get to a place where we feel like we don't have to do anything. Now, the truth is you don't. God loves you just as much. But there's plenty of scripture that says, for instance, that he's prepared in advance good works. He's already put them in advance in you. Why? so that you should walk them out. You should walk in them. Does that make sense? So there is things that we do, but how many know the reason we do them makes a difference? If I think I'm doing these things in order to, do, order to get God to be pleased with me, I've totally missed it. It doesn't mean that he's not excited and happy when I'm participating with him in the gospel, when I'm participating with the gifts that he's given me. Come on, somebody. That's amazing. How many love it when you see your kid, you know, uh, finding the gift that they have and the calling in life, whatever that might be. That isn't just within church. Maybe they're great as a musician or, um, you know, as a, a host or a hostess or, I mean, we could go on through the list. But when you see your kids operating and in the gift they have, how many know that brings pleasure to you? Yeah, absolutely. But the writer of Hebrews says, that he's well-pleased by our complete trust and confidence in him. That's what pleases the Lord. It's not about, you know, um, if I can do things more, if I have the right responses. Let me say this. This is what's really cool I've learned in my life, is that when I got to a place where I realized it wasn't my good works, it wasn't how much time I spent in prayer or fasting, or any of those things, which that's all great, but that's what wasn't pleased God. It totally changed everything, because then I realized there's an open avenue to God, no matter what, no matter when, and you know what that caused? This is the coolest thing. Suddenly, instead of having to try to remember and complete a list, suddenly the right responses and actions were flowing out of this love relationship I had with God. I wasn't trying to complete a list It was just happening. I would catch myself where maybe in the past I would respond to someone in a certain way or I would look differently at someone and suddenly I found myself loving what I used to think was unlovable. Showing grace to someone who maybe they weren't even gracious. I'm like, whoa, where did this come from? And it's like Holy Spirit would go, it's because you're hanging out with me, man. You're discovering who you are. So just be that. You know what? That brings such fulfillment. 
When you don't feel like you're, you know, ticking off a list or you're trying to do enough to, to garner more love. Listen, God loves you regardless if you're doing the list or not. But here's the cool thing. Once you understand that you love because he first loved you, you start doing the so-called list without even making it a list. It's absolutely beautiful. But it all stems from having complete trust and confidence in him. See, pleasing God is simply believing him and get this, saying thank you. This is something I noticed in every prayer that Jesus had. There was never a time that Jesus prayed and there was no confidence. Even in the garden before he was arrested, there still was a confidence. Now, was there a human emotion involved? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) If I knew what was coming, I'm sure I'd be sweating a lot too. But nonetheless, your will not mine. How did he come to that place? Because he knew he could trust Heavenly Father. And you know what? That's what pleases the Lord. It's our trust in him. And I notice this. If you look all through the Gospels, just about every time that Jesus prays, he starts out with, I thank you, Father. See, when you have confidence and you know who you are and who you are, there's this spirit of thankfulness. Look at the letters of the apostles. I thank the Lord so much for you. I'm thankful that that you are discovering and learning the depth and the breadth of the love of God. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Thankfulness, thankfulness, thankfulness. Which, you know, that's not even in my notes, but I'm thinking that's a real good sign that you're confident in God. There's a spirit of thankfulness that you live out of. You see, it pleases me even in my natural, you know, fatherhood, it pleases me when I see my kids trust in my word. If I were to show up at school, you know, when my kids were, I looked at them and there was just, there was something in their eyes and they were full of anxiety and worry and fear because they didn't trust that I would really show up. If they were to say, Dad, I I just didn't know if if you were going to show up today. Mom, I, I just didn't know if you would actually show up and be here for me. Let me tell you right now, I would be extremely displeased with that. Not in them, but I'd be extremely displeased because I'd be like, no, what have I done that's caused you to not be able to trust me and trust my word? Do you feel me? Any parents here? I mean, we want our kids to to take us at our word, don't we? We want them to trust us. See, what pleases me is when they trust my word, when they know that dad's going to show up. And that's one thing, man. My wife and I, I mean, since the beginning of raising children, we said, be very careful what you say and promise. Now, listen, we can fail. We can do things wrong. Apologies can go a long way. But let's not make a habit of just apologizing because you make promises all the time you can't keep. And so for us, it was a thing. It's like, uh, 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 let's not promise that. That's not, you know, maybe let's say, hey, we're planning this. We're hoping we can do this. Let's pray together. Let's believe God for the finances for this. Let's, let's put a plan together. Let's, my parents were good about this. Let's put a picture on the fridge of Florida because that's where we want to go. And it's something like a vision for us to see. And like, thank you, Lord, we're going to go. And then we'll plan and we'll budget and we'll do what we need to do. But we were, we're from the beginning, we really tried to not just make these hollow promises that didn't come through. Why? We wanted them to trust us. We wanted them to take us in his word. Why? Because it pleases me when they have faith and trust in my word. Is this making sense? I want to look at verse 6 again. It says, He rewards those 
who earnestly seek him. Now, when you read this, it can almost seem, and this is what I do. If I read something and it seems to go against the grain of maybe something that I, I have a belief for, I think, okay, either I need to change my belief or I need to dig deeper. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. When I first read this years ago, I thought, okay, here we go. Am I earnest enough? Am I working hard enough? But here's the thing. The word earnestly in the original language, get this, it means to scrutinize. It means to examine in great detail. Now that brings a whole different meaning to this. It's not something I'm trying to get to. It's something I'm digging for. I want to know more. I want greater detail. And what's the reward? New life. It's a new way of seeing God. It's a new way of seeing myself. But it doesn't stop there. It's a continuing relationship of examining, inspecting, and scrutinizing thoroughly the character of God, getting to know him more. That's what the writer's saying. Listen, take your time with this. Dig in deep. Get to know your heavenly father. Get to know the character of God for your own good. Who is God? How does God view me or view you? That's where the confidence comes from. And did you know that God loves it when you ask questions? When you're seeking answers and to know him? You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we can have this idea that you don't question God. But look all through scripture. God was questioned constantly by the patriarchs of the faith. And God didn't hold that against him. And in fact, he was pleased with that. You're asking questions. That's good. Why? You want to grow. You want to know exactly how I tick and what I'm all about. I love that. And so many times I believe that we don't ask questions because we think maybe that means we have doubt. Well, let me just clear it up right now. Doubt is part of the process of living by faith. It is. Look at how many stories in Scripture where people, I believe, help me with my unbelief or doubt. You're like, how does that make sense? Because it's humans trying to figure stuff out. You know, through this process and this journey of faith, there's many times that I have had doubt. And I believe, maybe this is just me and where I am in the journey, but I believe that doubt is part of faith. Yeah, it seems ironic, but it's true. You see, the opposite of faith isn't doubt. The opposite of faith many times can be fear, which leads to mistrust or even the polar opposite, which is certainty. See, I was at a place for a while where I felt like my whole life as a believer was to be certain on all things. And you know what brought me so much freedom, especially as a pastor? To be able to not be certain sometimes, to be able to sometimes just let things go and say, I don't know yet. The most freedom ever as a pastor was to be able to go, I don't know. Because sometimes people see that title and they think, all right, I'm going to ask you. you got to have the answers. And sometimes they'd be like, you know what? I don't have the answer, but I will dig deeper. I have plenty of friends like that who have helped me in that. Ed, you're one of those friends. Aaron, you're one of those friends that you'll ask questions. And, and it'll make me go, you know what? I don't know. I have to dig deeper into this. So I appreciate that. I welcome that because in those moments, I don't go, oh, my gosh, suddenly I'm doubting something. No, I go, this is part of the process. So now I get to dig a little bit deeper and see what that really means. It's beautiful. I appreciate that. But I said this before, certainty is a faith killer. 
when you get to the point where you believe that you're certain about all things, that you've arrived, that's the problem sometimes with denominations. We think we've arrived and we've got the, the marker cornered on truth, right? That's not true, but that's what we feel. Guess what? Faith is no longer present. You, in essence, have become your own life source. We could say you become your own God. It's the story of creation, Adam and Eve, and it's played out over and over and over again. Just think about that for just a few moments. There's maybe there a place in your life where you thought, you know what, I think I've arrived. I had that sense of certainty. It doesn't mean that we can't be confident with where we are, but we have to always be in a place where we're open to Holy Spirit to reveal something new to us. So listen, don't be afraid when there's doubt present. See, to me, that's those moments where faith chooses to step in and trust God. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't understand why these circumstances are coming away. I don't even know what the outcome is going to be. But God, I trust you. See, this has been my life. Examples of doubting, right? Am I truly pleasing? Am I truly completely forgiven? Am I really, truly acceptable? But it's in the midst of that doubt that I get to choose to trust or have faith in God's story about me. And guess what? That's what pleases the Father. No matter what's going on around me, you trust me, son. You trust me, daughter. I want to look at this one more time, Hebrews eleven six in the Mirror Bible. It says, there is no substitute reward for faith. I don't have it for the screens. Just listen to this. There is no substitute reward for faith. Faith's return exceeds any other sense of achievement. Faith knows that God is. Those who desire to respond to his invitation to draw near realize by faith that he is life's most perfect gift. That's awesome. Think about this. Faith doesn't make God do anything. I was at a place where I literally thought, if I pray hard enough, and I confess enough scriptures long enough, it'll move the hand of God. No, faith doesn't make God do anything. Get this, faith is a positive response to what God has already done. See, there's a difference. And, and you know, we have to see, uh, Peter says this in Second Peter. I, I want to go ahead and read this. Look at this, Second Peter 1, starting in verse 2. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power, I want you to hear this, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything. How much? Come on now. Everything pertaining to life and godliness through, look at this, through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. This is so powerful to me. Think about this. What Peter's saying is that you're not trying to get God to do something. God's already given you everything that you need. I love how he said this. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us. Say, granted to me. Say it again. Make it personal. Granted to me. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. It's already there. Now, for some of us, maybe we haven't seen that aspect yet in our life that's okay. That's where faith comes in to say, God, I know that you provided everything that I need for life and godliness. So I choose right now to trust you. 
man, this situation at work is not going very well right now. My marriage, it seems like it's, it's like one thread away from divorce. My relationship with my kids, it seems severed. It seems broken. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. I don't know how this is going to work out. This doctor's report is not what I expected. Come on, anyone. There's moments in our life like that, but what do we do at those moments? We get to say, I trust you. You give me everything pertaining to life and godliness. But look at this, through what? The true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. What that tells me is, again, faith comes by us spending time with God. Not as a legalistic thing where I got to get 10 minutes in, I got to get 15 minutes in. But listen, maybe you need to get 10 minutes in or 15 minutes in. Maybe we need to restructure our schedule. Let me just tell myself, some days it takes nothing to binge watch six hours or something. Am I the only one? Because it's a really good show. And it's so easy to hear this as legalism, but it's not. What I'm saying is, whether it's trying to get in better shape and health because of the doctor's report, whether it's trying to get into a better frame of mind emotionally, uh, you know, maybe you have to make decisions to say, I need to set this aside. I need to take some time with God. I need to maybe find a good therapist. Maybe we need to find a marriage counselor. Do you hear where I'm going with this? What I'm saying is it's not just everything's magic and God's done it all. Sometimes Holy Spirit is trying to give you wisdom to say, yeah, there's some stuff here. You need to work through this stuff. That's why you're treating your wife that that way. That's why your relationship with your child is not there. Again, this isn't condemnation. This isn't legalism. It's just saying, can we sometimes turn off the things around us and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. And sometimes he's just going to give you some common sense of things that you need to do to make yourself, to put yourself, I should say, in a better position to see everything that he's given us pertaining to life and God. Does that make sense? See, faith is acknowledging every good thing that is already ours in Christ. See, faith to me, and this will help you, faith is not a work. Faith is a rest. So if we believe, I'm really trying, man. I'm trying to have more faith. That's not faith. That's wishing. That's hoping. That's fret. That's worry. Faith is a rest. doesn't mean there's not like a million things going on emotionally. I'm not trying to go, we have no feelings because we love Jesus. No, 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 no. Feelings are a great measuring for maybe what's going on in your life to go, oh, something's not right here. But see, faith is not a work, it's a rest. Faith is not a verb, it's a noun. See, faith is a persuasion that God is who he says he is. He's done what he says he has done and will do what he's promised to do. The issue is settled. Your mind is made up. You know what it does? It puts your heart at ease. Even in the midst of the worst circumstances. This is why Jesus says to follow him and he'll give you a rest. I love the message that says, I will give you a real rest. This isn't just a vacation somewhere different. This is a rest in the midst of everything going on around you. That's so beautiful. So stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask the question again. How can I be pleasing to God? Well, the answer according to the scriptures is that I have a lifetime to inspect, 
to scrutinize and examine in great detail the goodness, the compassion, the love, and the grace of God. This is what pleasing our Heavenly Father is all about. Now, I'd have to say that that's really good news. How about you? Awesome. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much come to you this morning with thankful hearts. We come to you knowing that we have open access to you. I pray that no matter what background or denomination or what we come out of that, we're beginning to have a different view of you, Heavenly Father. changing that view maybe for some of us from a judge in a courtroom to a place where we see you as a father in a living room who cares for us. And the only thing, according to Scripture, according to New Covenant that pleases you is when we say, I trust you. I have faith in you. Help us, Holy Spirit, to see that as we examine and scrutinize this character, who you are. I believe it truly will bring us to a place where we discover who we are, our true authentic identity in you. And out of that comes not just heart change, but outward change. Say this with me, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. This morning, I choose to trust you. No matter what's going on around me, I trust you. And Holy Spirit, I'm open. What is it you want to show me? Are there areas of my life where I need divine light, where I need divine healing? I welcome you, Jesus, into this place. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.